Welcome to the Eastside Church Podcast. We're a community-driven church based in Charlotte, North Carolina, and invite you to join us on Sundays at 9 or 11 a.m. For more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co. Open your Bibles, please, to Galatians chapter 3. I'm excited about this. Man, I really want to... I really want to talk to you a minute about um, making sure that you're clear on on why the Bible was written, and you know, going on this tremendous journey of discovering the nature and the character of God, and then what he says about you, but I don't think that we can really do that unless we understand why he gave us this book, and that is to reveal the nature and character of God. I talked to somebody yesterday, and uh, maybe they'll watch. Very, very intelligent person, very scientific mind. Um, had all kinds of questions about Bible and the gaps and the holes that he believed were there. Um, and so if you want to talk science and scripture, man, I'm your man because I, I, I love it. <laughs> I love the whole, because you blow people away when you don't have any religion in you and you start talking about science and and, and God. And so anyhow, we had a couple of hour conversation and, uh, he was talking about gaps. He was talking about history. He was talking about mankind. He got, he went from Genesis to, to Jonah and, you know, different things in scripture, but he was looking all at, at the Bible as if it was a science book, helping us to learn science or a history book, helping us to learn history. And if that's what you think the Bible is, you're really messing up. Because that's not what he wrote it for whatsoever. It has science in it. It has history in it. It's not complete in its revealing of science and history. But it certainly has it there. So if it's not for that, what's it for? Well, Galatians, Paul really gets into that when he starts talking about the gospel. And I don't know if I can get out of Galatians because uh, Ephesians and Galatians are amazing to me. And we're, we're really just going to delve into this. And I, I want to try to, I've taught on this before, but I want to kind of remind you and, and maybe come at it from a little different point of view. But, you know, you've got the whole creation story in Genesis, uh, and then, which is the, really the first, you know, uh, 12 chapters. And in chapter 12 and in chapter 15, you then move into the covenant of God, and that is the covenant with Abraham. God has one covenant. He has an old testimony and a new testimony, but he has one covenant, and that covenant is with Abraham. And that's what you need to understand. In Galatians, he talks about making this covenant with Abraham and his seed, his 
offspring he makes that covenant with. He is referring to, as Paul writes in Galatians, as Jesus being his offspring. And so he makes a covenant with Abraham and with Jesus. And everything in Scripture up to that point is just telling you how we got to this point so he can tell you about the covenant that he makes with Abraham. And then he takes the, all, the, uh, all the deal you have with Moses in the Exodus and he brings in the law. Now what he says, and we're going to read it, I'm just kind of giving an overview, a summary. When, what, what Paul writes is that the only reason the law was given was so that it would reveal to you what sin is. It is not this new co old covenant. This, it's not the covenant. The covenant is the covenant of faith with Abraham. The law is to reveal sin to you, and Jesus is the fulfillment of it all. It is the covenant comes to life. It is the covenant that is actually done. And so, and so you have the law which reveals sin. The prophet reveals the nature of God. And then the new testimony of Jesus that reveals more of the character of Jesus. When Don Potter went to the worship retreat, and there was uh, about 40 of the worship folk were there, and <clears throat> he said that the New Testament was not the new law. The eyeballs that I got were like, <gasps> because there, didn't, there was no more need to set any more regulations because all the regulations were already fulfilled through Jesus Christ, right? And so there's not a new law. That blew so many people. It just blew the, whole, uh, the religious spirit out of the out of the place. It just blows up because we're looking for a reason to begin to do the law. And Paul is dealing with that in a heavy way in Galatians. When you start thinking about, in Galatians chapter 5, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. We talked about this in the school last night, so those of you in the school, some of this is going to be repeat. <clears throat> when you talk about Galatians chapter 5, it is the fruit of the Spirit. You're familiar with that? There are nine fruits. Love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, self-control. What else? Long, long service, patience, yep. Somebody mentioned it. The Word. What else? Love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, self-control, patience. What's the other one? Gentleness, that's the one I was looking for. <laughs> Gentleness, we left it out. Now, here's what we do now. Now, listen, this is what we do. You've heard me say it before, but I want you to find yourself. You say, man, I really want to be more like God. And I know that it's the Spirit of God in me that helps me do that. And, you know, I really need to get in the Word. And so I, I really need to become more disciplined about reading the Word. And I, I need to, you know, I need to get on track. I need to do this. And I really need to really have more fruit of the Spirit in my life. And so I really need to do step one, step two, and step three so that I can have more fruit of the Spirit in my life. And so we immediately revert back to the law right then. 
and try to discipline ourselves into something that we have zero ability to produce. Because it's not the fruit of Michael Wallace. It's not the fruit of Liz Barefoot. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. See what I'm saying? So the only way to get that is to get the Holy Spirit. And when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, when you invite the Holy Spirit into everything that you do, you begin to see the fruit of the Holy Spirit's presence with you go with you. Paul is dealing with that, and he knows and he sees how easily we drift into religion, and then also, on the contrary, how easily we give a license to sin because we're free. And he deals with both of these subjects in Galatians. You don't have a license to sin because you're free. Because if you're really committed to God and you're committed to walking with him, you're going to be transformed like him and become like him because you're spending time with him. There's no way that you can avoid religion unless you pursue the presence, the spirit, the nature of God. And understand that that single thing is what transformed you. And so <clears throat> you've got the Abrahamic covenant, you've got the law that reveals sin, and then you have Jesus who comes and fulfills the law and the covenant with Abraham, and so we are free. And Paul writes to the churches in the region, this, this Asian region, and he writes this. I'm going to start in verse 10. And we'll try to get through the rest of the chapter, chapter 3. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law and then do them. Let me re the ESV says it this way. For as many as you, of you who rely on the works of the law, you're cursed. He says in that passage of Scripture, earlier in that passage of Scripture, don't put the yoke of the law back on yourself. Don't start trying to do the works of the law because you will fail, you will be frustrated, and, and then you'll lose faith. It'll be all those things. And so he says, you're cursed if you're trying to rely on your own ability to obey the law because you have to obey all of them not to be guilty. There is no one, not one, say that, there is no one, not one, that is justified, made just before God by the law. Nobody's justified by the law in the sight of God. That is evident. For the just shall live by faith. 
Faith in what? Faith in what Jesus did at the cross, that he finished it, that your sin is not counted against you, that you are free to move about <laughs> in any way you choose. Paul says everything is acceptable, but not everything is profitable. But he also uh, talks to you about if you're really walking with Christ and if you're really walking in the Spirit, the Spirit's not going to direct you to do any of those things. And if you do those things, you're going to reap those things, what those things bring. And it's going to be rough. And the more, if you really are saved, the rougher they're going to be the longer you continue in those things. So it says in 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse. He has redeemed us. He has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us himself. For it's written, cursed who, who is everyone who hangs on a tree. So Jesus became the curse for us. And he did it so that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the people of Eastside Church. Through Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. And so there's this spirit walk that Paul is talking about that's the key. And the church is really, in this modern day, is starting to come alive to it a little bit, more than in past times. The charismatic church is the fastest growing part of the church worldwide. But in America, the traditional denominations are now beginning to come alive to the things in the spirit, more than they have in many, many, many years, ever. Probably, well, 1700s, they were pretty alive, but... Um, not as much as I believe that they're going to be in the future. But this is the life of the Spirit. So when I say that, I don't want to discount the Word because John tells us that the Word is Jesus, and, G and the Word became flesh, and he dwelt among us. So you can't discount the Word. You have to value the Word because it tells you what Jesus is, right? Tells you the nature and the character of Jesus. Tells you the history of the church. Tells you the history of how it was all poured out. But that only helps if you are in relationship with the thing that created everything. You have to be in relationship with the Spirit of God. It, it's, it's not some religious exercise of devotion. Does that make sense? It is fully a relationship. And Paul is really coming against the idea of this disciplined devotion to life. So, I'm to mess some of you up already. Because if you try to get a disciplined, devoted life and follow God, you're going to fail. He's saying that understanding what's right and wrong and trying to do it in your own strength only leads to failure. 
You have to invite the Holy Spirit into everything so that in that relationship, the Holy Spirit can remind you which way to go. And then you have to choose that way in everything you do. And when you do that, you're going to find that you're going to be not only successful, but there's going to be this exchange that's going to be so much greater than you could have ever imagined. Because you're going to bring him this little bit of offering of saying, God, I surrender to you. I invite your spirit. And he's going to say, I'm going to exchange that small invitation to this large fruit that I'm about to put on your life because you're surrendered to me. Because the Holy Spirit is going to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could imagine or think just because you surrendered. And that's what Paul's trying to say in Galatians. You've got to learn how to go about it. Now, we're talking about this in the school, but this is, this, is the, this is the core of our church. Not all of it, but a good part of it. And we've got to get really good at believing what we sang, being able to aggressively pray for people to come into that without judgment. We sang about this love thing. What a great song that Paul and... and um, it was Paul and, and, and Hannah wrote it. It was also Jen, right? Yeah, it was Jen too, yeah. Anyway, Jen sings it, right? Yeah. She writes this beautiful love song to God about being the expression of the love of God. There's, it's an impossible thing to be an expression of the love of God without being full of the Spirit of God. There's, you know, you, God says that you can go do a bunch of work, but you labor in vain if he's not the one doing it. Unless Jesus builds the house, unless the Spirit of God builds the house, you labor in vain and you're laboring. And so there's this, there's this thing that we've got to invite into our workplaces, into our relationship, into our marriages, into raising our children into every aspect of our lives that invites the Holy Spirit in in a greater way than the churches used to do it. Because the person I talked to yesterday was totally frustrated with what he was getting out of church. And I'm going to tell you something right now. If you are pursuing the Spirit of God and the Spirit of God is coming upon you, you don't get frustrated. It's not a frustrated place. It is a place of wow. It's wow. Wow, I can't believe that. All I did was this, and he exchanged this thing here for this thing here. All I did was this. I, all I did was plant a seed, and I got this tree and all this fruit that came off this one little seed. All I did was one little thing. Paul is saying here, that it's, it's not the law. If you're depending on that, all you're going to do is bring curses on yourself. Don't put that yoke of bondage back on yourself. Mike put it this way Sunday. I've already bought that. That's mine. You got to give it back to me. You got to give it back to me. That's mine. And that is everything that's in the law. You do understand that, right? Every law Jesus bought. Every Old Testament law given to Moses, 
Jesus bought. And so if you've put your trust, truly, put your trust in Jesus, he bought every one of your missing the marks of every one of those laws that you'll ever, ever commit. And there's absolutely impossible for you to be transformed into the image by trying to keep those laws. It is as impossible now as it was before the Holy Spirit was poured out. The only way you can do it is respond to the Spirit. And so he says here, uh, he keeps on going. He says, this blessing of Abraham, this promise of the Spirit through faith is yours. It, it's yours. And he says, brethren, I speak in the manner of men, verse 15, though it's only a man's, it is, it is only a man's covenant, yet if it is confirmed, no one annuls or adds to it. In other words, he's saying, when you have a contract with somebody and it's a legal binding contract, nobody can annul it, even in the United States of America. But when you make a contract track with God, it certainly is. And then he says this. Nobody can add to or take away from it. Now to Abraham and his seed, that's who the promises were made to. And God does not say more than one seed. He's talking about Jesus. He doesn't say seeds as many, many seeds, but as one. And to your seed, capital S-E-E-D, and that seed is Christ. And so the promises were made to Abraham and Christ. And this I say, that the law which was 430 years later cannot annul the covenant that was confirmed before by God in Christ that it, sh that it should make the promise of no effect. In other words, the law has no ability to make the covenant that God made with Abraham null and void. For if the inheritance is of the law, it is no longer of promise, but God. God gave it to Abraham by promise. And he's going to go on to say in just a minute that the law came to Moses by angels, by messengers, and men, not by God. So it even in its delivery is inferior. Because God is the one. You remember how God made the covenant with Abraham? He split the deal open, put Abraham asleep, and he made a covenant on both sides. You remember that? For if the inheritance is of the law, it is no longer of promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. So what purpose then does the law serve? It was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. And it was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. Now a mediator does not mediate for one only, but God is one. In the law, is the law then against the promises of God? Certainly not. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, truly righteousness would have been done by the law. But the scripture has confined all under sin that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. So let me go back. 
Let's go back to 19. What purpose then does the law serve? It was added because of sin. Till until the seed should come to whom the promise was made. So when was the law going to run out? Run its course. Fulfill its purpose when Jesus came. When Jesus came, the law fulfilled his purpose. And then he goes on to say, well, did Jesus nullify the law? And he goes, no. Now he's going to go on and explain that the law can't make you successful. Only the spirit was brought about, which is the promise that was made to Abraham and the seed. Jesus says in John, it's to your advantage that I go away. Because if I go away, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you're going to, you're going to know truth. You're going to go know sin. You're going to know truth. You're going to know both. And you're going to be empowered to succeed. And so I need to go. Because if I don't go, the Spirit can't come. So Jesus sent the Holy Spirit. But, because it was promised to him and Abraham. Yes? You tracking with me? <clears throat> so in 21, is the law then against the promises of God? No, certainly not. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, truly righteousness would have been by the law. In other words, if there was any law that could have been given that we could have been successful, that could have happened, but that can't happen because it just it, it's impossible. But the, but the scripture has confined all under sin that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. So the law was to keep us in check until we could grab a hold of faith. Yes? But after faith has come, we are no longer under the tutor, the one who's teaching us about the nature and character of God. That's why I, was, I always say, and what you hear from me, is that the Old Testament is still good because it tells us, it still tells us the nature and character of God. It is revealing what isn't going on in heaven. Right? If it's in the law, it's not going on in heaven. Right? If it's sin. And so, <clears throat> when faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. For you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile nor Greek, slave or free. There's neither male nor female, for you're all one in Jesus Christ. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. The promise was made to Abraham and Jesus. So Paul is warning the people of Eastside 
Quit trying to discipline yourself into success. Clear your schedules. Clear your schedules. You see, what makes following Christ so hard today is you're so stinking busy. You're too busy to spend time with the Holy Spirit so that you can be transformed, so that you can actually live the way God intended you to live. There's only one way to succeed. You've got to spend time with the Spirit of God. The world needs it. I mean, it needs it bad. I need it. I need it. Mac, isn't that what you learned? I mean, one of the things that you said Sunday that just so impressed me, there's a lot that impressed me, by the way. Um, but one of the things that impressed me so was that, you know, that he's, he spent 60 days with God, basically. And his whole focus, they didn't let it ever get off God. I mean, you had to eat, and you had to do some chores, but pretty much it was God, 60 days. And in that 60 days, Mac just went through a few things that he had no clue about when he thought he was okay with God before he left that God revealed to him in a 60-day period. And if we give him another Sunday, he can do it again with a whole other set of stuff. And the reason being, the Spirit of God spoke to him because he made himself available. And the church doesn't need to be trying to live like Christians. Because we can't do it. It's impossible. What the church needs is to clear its calendar and spend some time in prayer. Spend some time where we're calling on the name of the Lord, where we're inviting him into our day, where we're asking him and believing that there's no thing that's too hard for him. That when we're not seeing what you talked about, Brandon, when we're not seeing that in an area of our lives that we just don't shrink back, we don't give up, we don't get discouraged, we get, we get ticked off because we know that there's, somebody, there's a robber in the house that wants to steal it, and we get intense in our pursuit of the Lord because he has an exchange for us. And we want our exchange. I want my exchange. And I'm not giving up or getting discouraged until I get my exchange. I don't care what I see. I don't care what I see in a person's life that I love. I am going to fight for them until they get their exchange. Because God's got something better. How? Spend time with the Spirit of God. That's it. It doesn't get more complicated than that. But what we want to do is say, okay, I ain't got time for, I mean, I got, I mean, shoot, I overslept. I set my clock for uh, 10 after, and it's already half past the hour. 
I'm going to be 20 minutes late for work, so I I got to skip that. Now, now I've got to run out. Okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to I'm going to do it this way. All right, I, I'm doing it that way a little bit. I kind of invited you, God, but you know I'm really you know, I'm just, I'm just, and then and then we just drift. This is what we do, isn't it? This is how is that goes, isn't it? It's exactly how it goes because we want to in our hearts, but we don't. We don't. Oh, okay. I will do it this afternoon. We get home. I've got a puppy. My wife loved the puppy for three hours. She still loves the puppy, but the puppy is a baby, and the puppy makes a mess. So you get home, and the puppy's done going to the bathroom on six places on the floor. Not only that, but we get four phone calls of some things that are happening all around and, and, a, and a whole thing that I forgot about that I got to do tomorrow that I'm not prepared for. And so I got, God, I got to do that. You know, and we just, it just, it's after the other, after the other, after the other. And there is not a place of, of dependency. And you called it, um, what was the word I keep forgetting? fascination we're not fascinated with what God what spending time with God would be like and he if we're not he knows it he knows if it's just pastor says I'm supposed to read Galatians this week and so I'm going to do it. Otherwise, he's going to ask me, put a guilt trip on me, come up with some smart aleck remark. <laughs> and so I'm going to do it just so I can answer that sorry rascal yes. yes. <laughs> that is not the reason, right? And of course, you know, and I do all those things probably occasionally, but my motivation is for you to be in the presence of the Lord and to challenge you not to settle for something less. Paul is saying to you, man, you know, you can be incredibly patient. You can be filled with self-control. You can, your house can be full of peace. Did you know that you can walk around in the midst of the most awful work situation and be filled with joy? Because that, that stuff just can't get on you. Why? Because the presence of the Lord is with you. Why is that? Because you've been pursuing him for an hour and a half this morning in prayer and in worship and in trying to get to know, even by reading the law, who your God is. Paul's saying, listen, don't buy into this false gospel. It's not about do's and don'ts. It's about relationship with Jesus, with the Spirit. And then you get the supernatural stuff, too. And so I've got this person that I love that's struggling with the intellectual side of Scripture. 
Is that a mountain that's too big for God? Is that something that I'm just going to say, well, I'll try my best. What am I, how am I going to respond? You know, is it worth fighting for? How many people do you have in your life that need you to be fighting for them? One thing I've learned, if I don't know how to fight for myself, I can't fight for somebody else. So how am I going to fight for myself? I just looked over here to my left and I see students. More students. How different is it to be a student and actually do what I'm talking about doing? How hard is it to be a parent with a with a with a two year old, a one year old, a two year old, a five year old, and a six year old, or something like that, and to get this accomplished? You got to you got to do you got to do it intentionally. You've got to make a decision that you're going to prioritize God over everything else in your life. You've got to make a decision that. You can't live without the Spirit's wisdom and power. Anything else is a false gospel. Did you hear Kathy Griffin today? Did you know that I heard a prophecy not long ago that I believe, and I'm, I won't close with this, that there's a great uncovering happening. Would you agree with that? Whether you're a believer or not believer. There's just this great exposure going on. You see God doing that? He's exposing a bunch. Uh, you see all this judgment and exposure, right? You see it? You hear it in the news? I've heard one person say, you know, we got to forgive uh, whatever his name was, the ABC, NBC guy. Yeah, that guy. He did some pretty awful stuff. You know what he doesn't need? He needs to be removed. He needs to reap what he sowed, but he needs love and forgiveness from the church that can only happen by the grace and the power of God because we're not capable of loving him and forgiving him the way he said. And the church needs to, to do that. We need to be ready to forgive these people. We want them to be exposed, but we re really bet, re should be ready to forgive them. Would you agree? Yes. Can you do that by yourself? I can't do it. I just want to judge the mess out of them. You know? And Mike says that, that, that you can't have compassion on people and, unless you quit judging them. The famous prophet, Mike Dry, says. <laughs> so I'm again asking you, what's your schedule look like? Are, are you struggling with your schedule? And it's okay to say yes. It's just not okay to keep doing it. You know, there's no judgment in saying yes. Just change what you're doing. You've got to change what you're doing. Please, please, please learn how to walk in the Spirit. Learn how to pursue the Spirit of God. Learn how to prioritize it. 
And when I say prioritize it, I mean spend more time doing it than you do things you, I mean, <laughs> gosh. What's that word I keep forgetting, Mac? Yeah, that word. How are you fascinated with God when you spend more time because you're fascinated with college football or hunting? I'm doing two of mine. These are mine. Or golf. Or cutting grass, working in the yard, cooking, coming home and watching your favorite TV shows. You're more fascinated with the voice. Yeah, that's good too. You're more fascinated with the voice than you are the, the Spirit of God. Or, Michael just said, more fascinated with your family than you are God. That's an interesting thought, isn't it? It's a challenge, guys, but this is what Paul says. You can't succeed. No way to succeed without the Spirit of God. Golly, we're going to get good at this. We're going to get good at this. And we're going to learn how to pray for people. People are going to get healed, freed, because we're free. Because we've got our priorities in order. Because we know how to honor and love and forgive people. We know how to not judge and have compassion. Why? Because we're spending time with Jesus. Father, thank you. Paul, I thank you <laughs> for repenting and turning to God. And with your great intellect, writing an inspired book called Galatians, teaching us how to follow Christ, teaching us why the Bible was written, so that the promise of Abraham could be fulfilled through Jesus so that we could know the nature and character of our God and believe in him. And through that faith, nothing is impossible. Father, we pray for Saturday. We pray for families this Christmas season all the way across the board. Pray for the churches across our nation. We pray for our government. Pray for the Senate as they take the tax bill. We pray for the news agencies and the people that work for them as they are uncovered that they would be, that, that people wouldn't get killed and stripped and murdered and left on the side of the road, but they would actually be restored and healed and forgiven. Father, may they look to you for their answer and their peace. May we get a grip on why you wrote the book. I thank you for that, God. I pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Thanks for listening to the Eastside Church Podcast. If you have any questions or need more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co.